No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. As Israel traveled through the desert, they naturally thirsted for water. God's solution pointed ahead to the living water that is always available to us in Jesus Christ. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 17 on Simply the Bible. The children of Israel continued their wilderness journey to Mount Sinai. We continue today in Exodus chapter 17. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Does this sound familiar? The three most essential physical drives are for oxygen, water, and food. As the children of Israel were in the desert, there was always ample air to breathe. But food and water? These were a problem. It has been estimated that there were anywhere from two to three million people, and finding enough food and water for this many was no easy task. Now yesterday, we saw how God provided the bread from heaven to feed them for 40 years. But now the people were in desperate need of water. Their elderly, children, and livestock were all thirsty, and no water was to be found. And of course, they blamed Moses. They contended with him, though really, he wasn't responsible. But Moses saw the truth of the matter, which was, they were really testing the Lord in their complaining. Their words became increasingly harsh and accusatory, even death-threatening. Why did you bring us up from Egypt to kill us all with thirst? They were upset. Later, Moses would say to them in Deuteronomy 9-7, Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And so this was certainly no exception. How quickly they lost sight of the fact that it was the Lord who was present with them in the cloud and fire leading them each step of the journey. And yet, how like them we are. When things don't go the way we expect, we lose sight of God and we look for people to blame. Verse 4, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. As a leader, one gets used to being a target for stones being thrown by unhappy people. But Moses did the right thing. He cried out to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. Why do you suppose that the Lord told Moses to go out before the people and take some of the elders of Israel with him? I believe that God wanted to prove to the elders and to Israel that he was with Moses. If God's leaders are faithful to follow him, then he will be faithful to honor them before the people. This builds confidence in the people that their leaders are being led by the Holy Spirit. And as leaders, this is one of the many reasons why it's so important that we hear God's voice and do what he says. Now, a rock was a very unlikely place to get a spring of water, but God was setting up a foreshadow, a picture, or a type of Jesus Christ. We don't have any confusion about this, for the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. As the angel of God, Christ traveled with them and stood before Moses at the rock in Horeb. But then the rock that Moses struck also represented Christ, for Christ would be struck when he was crucified. And it is because he was struck in our place that the living water of the Holy Spirit now flows freely to all who trust in him. The image of Christ as a rock is found throughout Scripture. David writes in Psalm 61, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And Peter writes, Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. Have you trusted in the rock that is higher than you? I know of no other footing on which we may stand where we won't be ashamed or disappointed. Moreover, it is from this rock that the streams of living water flow by which you and I will thirst no more. Verse 6, And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Massa means temptation and Meribah means contention. The Lord suffered them to wait this long before providing them with water to show them what was truly in their hearts. Often it is only in the times of distress and temptation that we see the ugliness that's in our own hearts. How quickly we contend with our Maker when circumstances are not to our liking. Verse 8, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. 
And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Amalek was a descendant of Esau and represents the flesh. As they were on their way toward the promised land, who should advance against them but Amalek? We are told in Deuteronomy 25:17, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Amalek attacked the elderly and the slower folks in the rear of the traveling multitude. They did not fear God, but took out the easy targets. I think today of those who blow themselves up indiscriminately taking out the easiest targets. It is the way of cowards who don't fear God. When you choose to follow Christ and are making progress in your spiritual journey, do not be surprised when your own flesh launches a counterattack. Paul tells us in Galatians 5, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There is this inner battle going on constantly between our spirit and our flesh. And you can be certain that your flesh will rear its ugly head. It'll hit you at your weakest, most vulnerable time, for it does not want to submit to the word or to the spirit's control. Moses' response was to appoint Joshua as the general of the Israelite army to fight the Amalekites in the valley. Meanwhile, he would stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand. Verse 10, So Joshua did, as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. We see clearly in this two battles, one physical one spiritual. As Joshua and the army fought the physical battle, Moses fought the spiritual battle, interceding on the hilltop. To be sure, prayer is labor. Prayer is a struggle. Prayer makes the difference in the warfare. My pastor used to say that we don't see results in the physical realm until the battle is first won in the spiritual realm. How important it is that we not neglect intercessory prayer. Now Moses was human and subject to the weakness of the flesh. So as he would become tired, his hand holding up the rod of God would begin to droop. And when this happened, Amalek prevailed. So they got a stone and had Moses sit on it. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side of him, until sunset. So that Israel prevailed and Joshua defeated Amalek with the edge of the sword. Now, if we are going to see spiritual revival, if we are going to see the people of God triumph over the works of the flesh and the world and the forces of Satan, then I am fully convinced that the great need is for believers to commit themselves to intercessory prayer. We cannot do this alone. 
we need one another to help raise up our hands when they get tired so that the kingdom of God may prevail. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. God is forever at war with the flesh. He doesn't try to reform it. He puts it to death. Verse 15, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The name Moses gave to the altar was Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Like Moses' rod on top of the hill, the Lord is an emblem to us and to the enemy, that he is above us, he is before us, and that we are his people. We are more than conquerors because God is with us. And Christ loves us. We need the living water of the Spirit that comes from the rock, Jesus Christ. And having received this spiritual refreshment and strengthening, we must then use the weapons of our warfare, prayer, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The children of Israel had physical warfare, but each of us is engaged in spiritual warfare. Yet God has given us everything we need to triumph over the flesh, the world, and the devil. Let's use the weapons of our warfare. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Moses' father-in-law gives him advice that is great for anyone in leadership. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Exodus on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible